There are many useful tactics for leading change in an organization. One place to begin is generating quick wins. On this episode, the right context for quick wins and where to start. This is Coaching for Leaders, episode 496. Produced by Innovate Learning, maximizing human potential. Greetings to you from Orange County, California. This is Coaching for Leaders, and I'm your host, Dave Stahoviak. Leaders aren't born, they're made. And this weekly show helps you discover leadership wisdom through insightful conversations. And of course, one of the most important things we do as leaders is help create movement in organizations. Movement often towards change. And one of the best places to start is to create and to generate an influence quick wins. Today's guest is absolutely an expert on project management is going to help us to do this effectively. I am so glad to welcome back to the show Andy Kaufman. Andy is a keynote speaker and author on leadership and project management. He's president of the Institute for Leadership Excellence and Development and works with organizations around the world, helping them improve their ability to deliver projects and lead teams. He helps people learn practical skills to manage projects, sponsor projects, and lead people. He's committed to helping people maximize their potential and the potential of their organizations. He's also a certified project management professional and member of the Project Management Institute. Andy is the author of Navigating the Winds of Change, Staying on Course in Business and in Life, Shining the Light on the Secret, and an ebook entitled How to Organize Your Inbox and Get Rid of Email Clutter. And he's also the host of the People and Projects podcast. Andy, it's been a bit. I'm so glad to welcome you back to the show. Thanks, Dave. It's truly a pleasure. Thanks. Well, let's start off, first of all, with this term quick wins. And it is one of those terms that often is used in a well-intending way, but sometimes the term quick wins can be intended in the wrong way too, can't it? Yeah, it's really true. In fact, as I kind of reflect on my career thus far, I think the first time I heard somebody say it, Dave, was they were like, uh, there's a new leader who came into the organization as a part of, and they got... You know, he got his leadership team together. He's like, all right, so uh, I need to get some quick wins here. You know, what would be, where's some quick wins? And really what it came off to us as make me look good. You know, that's kind of uh, what it came off to like. And so that's not the kind of quick wins we're talking about solely there. We're, we're talking about how can we build momentum? You know, how, how can we build momentum? Th- those sorts of quick wins. And that's something that is often necessary in times, especially in times of uncertainty. Yeah. And we've had John Cotter on the show before talking about leading change in organizations. And one of the key eight steps from his classic model on leading change is generating quick and early wins. And so this is a really important part of not only leadership, but organizational change. And it is also, I think, a challenge for a lot of us, Andy, because I've heard you say this before, and I can certainly relate to this too, that we're working too hard to get things perfect a lot of the times, aren't we? (laughs) Yeah, I can spend time, you know, getting ready for a session. I'm like, all right, let's tweak those PowerPoint slides a little bit more. Or, uh, you know, let's let's uh, make that update to the website a little bit more. And I I would think that a lot of people listening to us, Dave, are are people that we're not just trying to settle. Right. I mean, we're trying to go above and beyond. We're trying to stand out from the crowd. We're trying to do great things for our business. And so a lot of times that can lead to a, a perfectionism that has some positive benefit, but can also lead to us refining decimal points when the number, the round number would be fine. And so sometimes one of the challenges with quick wins is we could be putting all this effort into getting a win down the road where 
another version of that, like, hey, check out this draft and getting feedback on that. That could have been a quick win that could have gotten us to the point where we could have had a better solution overall. That's the thing that, uh, you know, project management is all about delivering and kind of agile approaches try to look at that of saying, is there a way we can get something done earlier? Let's call that a quick win and that we can get feedback and we can find out, are we on the right track? Thinking about what you just said and the kinds of folks listening to the show and people like you and me who have been well-trained, we've in many cases gone to graduate school, we have worked on all kinds of projects and papers, committees, all those things over the years. And the message has often been, get it right and nail it the first time. A Mm -hmm. minus maybe or B plus is fine occasionally, but make sure you nail it out of the gate. And that's really just not, I mean, it's great in the in the theoretical world but it's really not reality in most organizations in fact the like you just said the opposite is often true it's about how do we actually begin to create momentum because that's the thing that's going to actually move the needle forward yeah that's exactly right you know there's a phrase that's used with projects that might use agile approaches that's called just good enough right now good enough if you're doing surgery on me dave that's not what I want. I, you know, right. I, I, I want you to like make sure you got it right and you know every detail and everything taken care of. But a lot of what we need to do is just enough planning, just enough detail, just enough thoroughness there that we can get feedback on it. And that's kind of like I think a recurring theme we're going to have in this discussion is can we get just enough done that somebody can see it and go, hey, Dave, I like where you're going with this. Or, hey, Andy, you know what? I, I, it's close but we're just a little bit off on this. And if we can do that more, we can call it a quick win. We can call it all kinds of things, but we're going to end up with a better solution at the end instead of trying to get the one right end result that maybe it's not even known until we get the feedback along the way. That's what we're really shooting for. You said the word agile a couple of times already, and I've got a confession for you that <laughs> agile is one of these words, and I've heard Scrum, and I've heard all, all of these different terms before um, that are very popular in software and technology, and yeah. I sort of feel like I've got a good grasp on kind of the basics of the term, but I think that probably a lot of other folks are like me in that you know we kind of have heard the term, we don't work in software we don't really understand what that means. And I I think that there's a lot we can learn from what software folks have done around this term agile and how it can actually play out and be valuable in our organizations. But before we go there, like maybe could you just define what agile is for for me and others? Absolutely. No, I'm really glad you asked that question because it is one of those things that, that shows up on branding. Like I was walking through a client, I was just within this last year and, it was uh, up. They had some banner up, uh, agility in healthcare. You know, it's so, like it's it's one of those terms that just shows up in different places. And so it is worth having a conversation. Like, what does it even mean? And you're the interesting challenge on that. There's like not one defined, accepted definition of what it means. And so the funny thing is, like, like I could be talking to somebody who's been doing agile for 20 years. Say, uh, how do you define agile? And you know, they'll give an answer. You talk to somebody else, and they'll give a slightly different answer. But there are some common themes. And so one of the common themes of Agile that we could start out with is its heritage really comes from the lean movement. Now, that, that's another thing where some people are like, I've heard of lean, but I haven't really studied it. Yeah. When, I'll, I'll tell you, Dave, when I think of lean, I think of eliminating waste. Like, how can we eliminate waste? So you don't have to be software. I mean, you and I doing podcasts. Anybody, anybody listening to us 
has opportunities to reduce waste in how things get done. And so, you know, if you if you look at the world through the lens of waste, it's actually a kind of a depressing world. And, I, and, and what I mean is we've got waste all over the place, so, which means we have opportunity to try to eliminate that. So waste and lean would be that which does not add value, okay? That uh, which does not add value. So an agile approach to trying to get quick wins or to get work done would say, hey, what is it that we do in the process of delivering stuff to customers? What is it that we do that does maybe value equal, you know, equals zero? Maybe that's not true. It's not value equals zero, but the truth is it doesn't add that much value. So if I tweak that slide a little bit here, a little bit there, move it to the left or right, put an animation, is that really adding value or is that just taking time? It's just taking time. And so an agile approach would be much more when I have to deliver something, when anyone listening to us has to deliver something, what we're doing is saying, where is the waste in how we go about delivering that? And can we reduce some of that waste? Can we, maybe not get down to zero, but can we reduce some of that? And a lot of times it's back to this point of the quick win of, can we get something working? So a typical agile approach, whether it's software, I mean, I run my company using these principles, so you know, we don't deliver software, but can we get something, like let's say an e-learning thing, could you get something out to your academy where it's not totally baked, but it is sufficient that, you, that somebody could look at that and go, Dave, that is so good. I mean, that was so practical. Or someone maybe go, Dave, you know what? Could you give us an extra PDF or some episodes of Coaching for Leaders that would back that up or something like that? So can we incrementally deliver an agile approach typically instead of work, 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 deliver. It's much more work, deliver, work, deliver, work, deliver, work, deliver. Uh, That's much more of an agile approach. So if we kind of remove software from it, if we remove any even tech from it and we just think, can we find a better way to go, you know, work, deliver, work, deliver instead of work, 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 deliver. We are down that path. Got it. Okay. So that's super helpful. Thank you for that. And I'm, curious thinking about that work, 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 deliver the traditional sense versus the work deliver mantra that you would find in agile. What's an example of that? Either maybe in your organization or you've seen that a client has done where they transitioned from more of a traditional and approached it a little bit more like an agile method. Yeah. Now there's a global law firm that we were working with as an organization. And I was talking to the CIO and he just goes, you know, because they were an internal service organization, they depend on cross-functional resources to get things done. And they'd have a meeting and then they'd have to wait. They'd have to wait for something, you know, some other group to be able to deliver some stuff. All right. So then the next week or two would go by and then they have to wait for something else. And then, oh, they didn't get it done. So they have to wait for something different. And in the meantime, all this time was being wasted. And so they're like, what could we do differently? And so they, they actually piloted a agile project. They started using some agile approaches. And it, although it was a system sort of project, it wasn't software per se. And what they said was, all right, that person and that HR team and this person over on the finance team and this person on the IT team, we are not going to be separate silos. We are going to work together and we'll put together, you know, like prototypes and we'll put together, we'll, we'll work together where we together own it instead of like these separate, you know, groups doing these handoffs. And so another thing with an agile is instead of I do my work and I throw it over the wall to the next person <laughs> and they do their work. And depending on the situation, 
you know, that can introduce delay. And so a typical agile project is, Hey, you know, this is not Bob's work versus Sally's work versus Jamal's work, man. This is we, this is all our work. So if Sally's struggling on something or Bob's struggling on something, Jamal comes over and goes, hey, I can help with that, right? So we all work together on this. So an agile approach would say, there's waste in handoffs. What if there was more of this like shared ownership? And it may not be obvious from just this conversation, but when we own something as opposed to, dude, I got my part done, you know, if they drop the ball, too bad, so sad, you know, that's, I, I'll, I'll look good on my review as opposed to we all are on this together. Yeah. So, so that, that, that idea of shared ownership is so powerful and that's, Agile tries to foster that. And it sounds so good and it sounds like what every organization aspires for. And yet we talk a lot about accountability and this is what I own and that's what you own. And we want to have division of work so that it's really clear who owns what. For an organization that's traditionally used to doing that, of thinking about things as far as I own this piece, you know, I throw it over the wall. What looks different when they start to approach it from the standpoint of we versus just I? So, you know, a typical... <laughs> a typical mistake that gets made when someone wants to move in a direction of using more agile approaches is they'll go, Hey, you know, I read this article and, uh, it says, uh, do scrum. And so let's do daily standups or let's do, you know, let it, it, the focus is on the do let's do this. Let's do that. And the problem with that is similar to almost everything that we do as leaders it's not just what we do. It's like the culture that we have to create in order to make this happen. And so a lot of times the best way to move towards this is some sort of pilot project. And what we say is, listen, this is going to be a little different from how we normally do things. And so try to foster the culture within that small group and say, listen, I know you all part, you're part of that silo. You're part of that silo. You're part of that silo. But for this project, we want you to work together. We're going to put you in a war room or, you know, if people are distributed, you know, we'll, but you're going to act as a team. You, you are going to own this and we're going to try to foster the culture. A moving towards agile principles is often much more about the cultural aspect than it is just of what we do. And, and you know, as well as anybody that culture is easy thing to talk about. It's a difficult thing to change. I know you've had Ed Shine on the podcast before, and yeah. you know, he's, the guy, he's the guy who coined the term corporate culture. And, you know, Ed, Ed would say that the reason why the culture, even if it's dysfunctional, it's sufficiently functional. And so it's hard to change. And so what I find is when someone wants to make a move towards this, what does it look like? Well, if it's done well, all of a sudden they're getting the work done a little bit more efficiently. Yeah. And, the, and the end result looks a lot more like what people wanted. And then how do you change culture? Well, when you show that it works, but it almost always works better if we say, hey, let's pilot some of these ideas instead of, hey, Monday we flip the switch and we're going agile, right? Flip the switch. I don't know if in any leadership context makes a whole lot of sense, you know? And so it's true with this as well. Yeah. And it is in and of itself, its own quick win and creating momentum, right? And yeah. You know, you've been involved in so many of these projects over the years, both internally and with customers and in the academic world of teaching graduate students how to do this. And I am curious, when we think about that cultural piece of getting people to really take ownership and trying something as a pilot, what is it that you see an individual leader do 
that helps to get people thinking about approaching something more agile and being able to get the culture around it versus mm-hmm. what doesn't work. Yeah. You know, I think of, I don't even remember. I don't remember if it came from Shine or who it was. They said culture A plus B equals C, where C is culture. A plus B equals C. Attitudes plus behaviors equals culture. <laughs> okay. So if you think of it that way, the key in that regard is about the attitude of it. So here's a typical thing that happens when we come in. There'll be somebody, and this has nothing to do with age, but it sometimes has to do with the duration that someone's been there, like their seniority. And sometimes I could just see them there in the back and they're like, if there was a thought bubble over their head, it'd be like, I've seen a lot of stuff come and go in my time here. If I just wait it out, this will go away. Right? So the, so the attitude part of this is just getting people open-minded that this is not just some new flavor of the month that's going to come and go. And that this is something that really could help. Like, for example, one of the principles of Agile, one of the 12 Agile principles is sustainable pace, which means whatever pace we're working at now, we can sustain this forever. Okay. Mm. Now, just even as, even as you and I hear that and people listening to us hear that, a lot of times people are like, oh my, the pace we're on now, there's like no way we could sustain this. I mean, we're just trying to recover from, you know, all the fallout of all all the disruption that's happened. We can't. So Agile tries to say, listen, there's a sustainable pace. We're aiming for this. So in some ways, what part of the culture changes is just getting people open minded that, listen, here are these principles. Instead of like, we have to do these things. Here are the principles. Like our highest priority is delivering for the customer. Our highest priority is delivering value and helping people see that's what we're trying to do. It's not about changing, you know, having thick methodology documents and new forms to fill out. It's focus on value, eliminating waste, you know, sustainable pace. And if we can get people to stay open-minded on the attitude of the A plus B equals C part, then we can start moving towards, all right, now what are some of the behaviors that might help us do this? And, you know, I I kind of mentioned uh, stand-ups a little bit earlier. So a typical agile approach, regardless which one you use, would typically have some sort of daily standup, whether you call it a daily scrum or a daily standup. And uh, some of my healthcare clients, like the physicians, might call it a daily huddle. You now it goes by all kinds of different names. It doesn't matter what you call it, but this would be, uh, you know, you and your team, Dave, you'd get together at the beginning of every morning and just go, all right, here's what I did yesterday. Here's what I'm going to do today. And this is what's getting, getting in my way. Okay. So it's pretty simple. You can do it pretty fast. If these go more than 15 minutes, it's a problem. But if we have the right attitude about doing a daily stand-up, like this is, we're not doing it just to go through the motions. We're doing it because we want more awareness as we. We want more awareness as we of who's working on what, what kind of problems are people are you running into? Because as we, I can go over and help them then if they need it. You know, we can kind of cover each other on that. So that's a behavior, having the daily stand-up, having the attitude of why are we doing this and kind of the vision for where we're trying to get to. Over time, that changes the culture. And one of Shine's line I think is interesting is until behavior changes, nothing changes. Yeah. <laughs> so so, we, so we, can, we can talk about it. We can put up motivational posters. We can hand out copies of books. But until behavior changes, nothing changes. But the attitude has to change first. And something like the stand-up is the kind of thing that all of a sudden it does become more of a we because having visibility of what everyone else is doing on a daily basis, even if it's just a few minutes, really does start to change that dynamic and that conversation. (laughs) And speaking of quick wins, you know, so much about this goes back to what we were talking about of the work deliver, work deliver. And 
you've made the point with me before that part of this is the value of frequency of a bias towards the shorter. Tell mm-hmm. me more about what you mean by that. What's the value of bias toward the shorter? Yeah. One of the agile principles is we deliver frequently, like it could be two weeks to four weeks. It could be even every three months, but there's a bias towards more, more frequently. And in particular, you know, where, where agile principles really apply best is when there's a lot of uncertainty. So when there's a lot of uncertainty, if, if we say, all right, let's take this next year. We're not exactly sure what they want, but let's take this next year to deliver, you know, to work on something. We, we could so easily miss the mark. And so what I love in working with clients on this is just saying, uh, for example, I was hired to create a facilitation skills class. This could be an example. And I started working on the class, but instead of waiting until I was done creating the class, I'd have periodic. So in this case, it wasn't a, a daily standup, but it was a weekly check-in with the client. And so I'd be able to show, all right, so here's, here's what I've got so far. And, uh, <laughs> this is a true story. One of my first check-ins with my main contact, she goes, Andy, I, I like where this is going, but there's only one problem. And what's that? She goes, you've got some pictures on some of your slides. I'm like, yeah, is that a problem? She goes, oh yeah, yeah. Our, our company culture is standard PowerPoint template, bullet points, no pictures of any kind. Oh, now, interesting. you and I could agree that that sounds like a lot like 1989, but <laughs> that's their culture. And what I find is when we take ownership, and just like you said, I mean, this is an audience, we take ownership. I mean, we're leaders. We're, we, wanna, we want to make a difference. And when we take our ownership, projects become our baby. I love my baby. And then we deliver our baby and people are like, your baby's ugly. You know, that's not, that's not what we're trying to deliver here. So by having that interim check-in, all of a sudden... I could, you know, I, I see where she's going. And by having that check-in along the way, what are the odds at the end? She goes, you know, this is garbage. She's not going to say that because she's, she's kind of had her fingerprints in a sense, even though I was developing it, it was we, yeah, because she was getting touch points along the way and her expectations were being managed as well as mine is, you know, and so that wasn't software, you know, that wasn't, using some fancy new methodology, having to go off and get new certifications. Really what it was is saying more frequent, more frequent. There's just enough there that she sees what's going on and she can give feedback and we can just iterate. Even if it's just two degrees, we're just going to change just a little bit. Get rid of those pictures and then we can learn from that. That's what I think too often we're throwing stuff over the wall, Dave. We're, we're working, work, 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 throw it over the wall. Somebody else does something. And by the time it gets delivered, it's not what they wanted, even if it's what they asked for, but it's not what they needed. And so that's what we're trying to address. Yeah, because things change, right? I mean, if we need any right. more examples in the world this year of how things have changed, oh. I mean, every day okay. something's new, right? Context is right. different. And, you know, I think about what you just said in that example. Thank you for for sharing it of, you know, you, you could have spent you know, 30 hours working on these beautiful designs that many organizations would have loved, but this organization didn't, and it didn't fit with the culture. And it's, you know, it's, it's really interesting to me as I think about the context of this conversation. Here we are talking about Agile, but it really comes down to so many of the core tenets we talk about in the show all the time around coaching. Like, mm. you know, Michael Bungay Standards work, be often, right? To be consistent. Right, right. Like just, yeah. you know, just to take a minute or two and have a conversation versus going down a path for six months or a year where you don't mm-hmm. have any of that conversation. And so when I think about the, like quick wins, it's being able to do that in such a way where 
you're really serving people better. I mean, you like to, I mean, it, yeah. it's eliminating waste, but it's also better service. That end product was better for that client because you were talking with her about it all along for them than it would have been even if you had showed up and they were like, okay, that's pretty good. It works out great. But it because of that dialogue, it got better. And this actually leads me to another thing that I've heard from you before too, is that there's going to be change and don't treat change like the enemy. Change is actually part of the value in doing this, right? Right. Yeah. You know, one of the, there's this group of people that got together back in 2001, they put together this agile manifesto. And now it turns out they were all software people, which is why I think sometimes we associate this stuff with the software side, but you could replace what they have in the agile manifesto, any place that says software, you could replace it with any, you know, product services, outcomes, things like that. But one of the values they call of the agile manifesto is responding to change over following a plan. And what kind of cracks me up about that is that's kind of heresy. <laughs> you know, Cause I think mean, for a lot of people, it's like, <clears throat> what do you mean? That'd be the wild, wild west, man. You need to have a plan and you need to follow the plan, follow the plan. But the thing is that sometimes the plan doesn't make any sense anymore. Now, like, I don't know, Dave, you ever have this where the GPS says, or your you know, maps app says, take a right. And you're kind of like, I don't know if that's right. You know, and you know, you, you end up, you end up like, oh, this is not where I wanted. Yeah. And a classic scene in the office where I think it's Michael and Dwight are like arguing about, was it veer right or turn right? And they end up in a lake. Oh, they, and then a lake. Yeah. That was funny. Yeah. Right, yeah. And, <laughs> and I, I think what, what this, what this value is trying to get to is say, we can pretend there won't be change. And maybe I want to live in that world for a day, but that's not the world we live in. And the, the fact is there's going to be change. And that doesn't mean don't have a plan. But what that says is we'll come up with a plan, but we're going to come up with a plan realizing the plan will not work. <laughs> and so since it's not going to work, we need to keep updating it. And so we're not trying to pretend we can know it all up front. That's much more realistic. So there's a typical thing we do in my company. We'll say, all right, here's the priority for this first half of the month. So first half of the month, here's the priorities. Here's what we're going to focus on. During that first half of the month, we try not to introduce much change. But then when we get to the midpoint of the month, then what we say is, all right, based on what we learned in the first half of the month and everything else going on in the world, what makes sense for the second half of the month? And we've got a roadmap of what we think we're going to do, but the roadmap is not in stone because especially in this year, <laughs> the world is changing so often. But the agile approach and, and once again, we could even just strike the word agile. This sort of approach is just saying, realistically, have a roadmap and let's stay focused for a period of time, a constrained period of time. Let's nail that. Let's get something of value done and we get it in front of them and they can start using it or benefiting from it now. And now based on what we learned there, what do we do next? Does the roadmap make sense? Yeah. Okay, great. We just continue down that path. But let's not pretend that we can stand up in front of our senior management with a plan that says we're going to deliver five months from now at 4.30 p.m. on that Friday. And I'm just here to tell you, Dave, you won't. Or if you do, it won't be the route that we think because change is going to come along the way. So let's stop pretending. That's what this approach is really trying to say. The big lesson for me here is get feedback faster. Have That's conversations, it. iterate, small wins, maybe even small losses occasionally. That's part of this sure. too, right? And But, yeah, but the key word there is small, right? Because you yeah. go down a path where you spent time putting together two slides versus 40 <sighs> and like, okay, you burn two slides as far as time, but 
you iterate really quickly. And if you're doing that well, that's moving you forward. Yeah. So the person hearing this and saying, yeah. okay, I've heard of Agile. This quick wins sounds good. I'd mm-hmm. like to move in this direction a bit. For the person who wants to do that and wants to lead their team better, if there's one thing that someone could do to begin this process of leading better with an Agile approach, generating quick wins, where's the one place to start? Yeah. You know what I find is, so I was working with a food company this morning and none of them are software people. None of them are project managers by title. There are all kinds of different uh, departments there. But one of the things we talked about is there's like this overwhelming evidence. If you can work on smaller projects, they're going to be more successful, which sounds so obvious because they're smaller projects. But if somebody listening to this could just say, hey, I've got this six month initiative. I got a due date that's six months out. Okay. Could I chunk that down into smaller work? Okay. So could I chunk it down into a couple successive projects instead of one big project? That would be a place to start. And at the end of each one of those, whether we want to call them iterations or increments or if on a periodic basis, whoever we're doing this for, whoever we're serving, to use your words before, which I think is beautiful, Dave, whoever we're delivering this for, it's to say, hey, quick, like you said, can we get some feedback on this? Are we in, going in the right direction? You know, those are such simple things that almost any one of us could implement. And when we ask the external people, whether it's another group within our company or external, like, are we on the right track? We ask ourselves internally, hey, is there anything different we could do? So we just spent the last month working on this thing. Customer seems to like it, but what are we doing that isn't adding value internally? Are we going through some extra steps? Are we jumping through some hoops that really aren't adding value? Just imagine (laughs) if, like I think of the meetings that we have, like every Monday morning meeting, week after week after week, and people are just like snoozing or just looking at their phones. Why don't, why don't we say more often, Dave, of like, hey, what do we need to do differently in this meeting? Is this meeting adding value? You know, it, things like that. You're not going to find that in a, some sort of agile methodology document, but that's these ideas. Chunk the work down, ask for feedback more often, and that includes our own team. Instead of waiting to the end of the project, what are we learning now <laughs> that we can implement for the rest of the project? Instead of waiting till the very end and then do some sort of after action review, then, well, it's maybe too late to apply. Those are the sorts of things that I, I've just seen over and over that I feel confident saying, I can guarantee you, your team will light up because they're like, oh, we're not just going through the motions. We're getting feedback. We're making progress. We're not just doing things the way we've always done it. It's those sorts of things that add not only quick wins for our client, but quick wins internally. We're getting better internally. And that, that's motivating. And psychologically, it's huge for everyone, isn't yeah, it? It is. Uh, yeah, it's a good way of saying it. Yeah. yeah. So for those who want to dive in more, we're going to have some links posted. We'll also have links posted to Andy's last appearance on the show. Uh, If you really want to dive in and you're managing a lot of projects, the People and Projects podcast by Andy is a wonderful resource for you. Andy also does a ton of keynote speaking and speaking for chapters and organizations. So if you're looking for more wisdom on this, he's a wonderful person to reach out to. I'll have it all linked up in this week's weekly leadership guide. Andy, thank you so much for your time and wisdom. As always, I'm grateful for it. Truly my pleasure. Thanks, Dave.
Leadership answers the question of change. As a result, we've had many conversations about change on the show over the years. One of them is episode 249, How to Succeed with Leadership and Management. My guest on that episode was John Cotter. John is the probably leading voice on organizational change, certainly over the last 20 or 30 years, has many books out on the subject. And in that uh, episode, we talked about the distinctions between leadership and management. We also talked about what's different about organizational change today than when Cotter started his work many years ago. And we really went into detail on uh, some of the key thoughts that leaders want to have in mind when thinking about change and innovation. Episode 249 is where you can find details for that. I'd also recommend episode 363, The Path of Humble Leadership with Edgar Schein and Peter Schein. Edgar Schein's work really goes over many, many decades on organizational culture. It's a wonderful complement to this conversation. And most recently, he's looked at humble leadership. Uh, Both Edgar and Peter have really dived into that in detail. Episode 363 will help you with even more perspective on that. And then finally, I'd recommend episode 476, How to Pivot Quickly with Steve Blank. Steve, a very successful entrepreneur, also an academic, has done a ton of uh, teaching and really has been the catalyst for the lean startup movement, in particular, the principle of having a minimum viable product or service. We talked in detail in episode 476 on how to approach that well as a leader. Uh, It's really been instrumental to my thinking over the years and has changed my mind on a lot of things and how I think about strategy in change in my own work. Episode 476 is where to go for that. All of those conversations you can find on the coachingforleaders.com website. If you have not already, I'd recommend that you set up your free membership at coachingforleaders.com. That's going to give you access to the entire library searchable by topic since 2011. And one of the topic areas in the library is organizational change. We've had many other conversations on the show over the years. It's also the best place to find resources on almost any topic. Uh, Whatever topic's relevant to you right now, go ahead and set up your free membership. You'll be able to search the library by topic. Really anything under leadership is cataloged there inside the episode library. Also, you'll receive my weekly leadership guide that comes every Wednesday with detailed show notes, resources I've tracked down for you during the week, and many others uh, as well. Also, the free audio courses, the member cast my own personal library, lots of resources inside the free membership. So if you haven't set it up, you're missing out. Go over to coachingforleaders.com, set up your free membership, and you'll be off and running. Next week, I'm glad to welcome Kwame Christian back to the show. He's going to be talking with us on how to have difficult conversations. Join me for that conversation with Kwame. Have a great week and see you next Monday. Take care.